Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Religious Studies Project. It's Monday morning, which means that we do, in fact, have a new episode for you today. I'm Andy Alexander, and I'm very excited about this new episode we have. It features a lot of our longtime friends of the RSP. In this episode, Tinguo chats with Rebecca King and Tenzin Eagle about their recent edited volume, Representing Religion in Film, which was published by Bloomsbury Academic in 2022. And in this discussion, they will talk about the ideological blind spots that they find in current work in this area of religion and film and outline a more critical way of approaching this subfield in religious studies while also engaging discourses on the world religions paradigm and critical theories of religion. But I will let Ting introduce this and our guests further. This is Critical Approaches to Studying Religion and Film with Tenzin Eagle and Rebecca King by Ting Guo. Take it away. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Religious Studies Project. My name is Ting Guo, currently in Toronto, and today we are very excited to have two editors who uh, just have this new book come out from Bloomsbury this year, 2022. The book is entitled Representing Religion in Film, edited by uh, two guests we have here, Tenzin Ego and Rebecca Kin, and welcome to Religious Studies Project. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, excited to have you here. So before we start, would you like to tell us a bit about your background in the field and your teaching and your social experience? What got you interested in this topic? Because I think, as Tenzin said in the introduction, that you both were quite frustrated <laughs> with what you saw in the kind of the field of study of religion and film during your teaching experience and then that kind of inspired you to do this volume would you like to just tell us a bit about that yeah sure so both Tenzin and I were graduate students at the center for the study of religion or the department for the study of religion at university of toronto and we both during our graduate years had the opportunity to teach a course on religion and film. And I think for both of us, we went into that course, not necessarily, like certainly not as experts in film studies, but wanting to think about what it means to teach religion and film in a way that tells us something about religion, right? So something that goes beyond what the field has often been, which has been like, here are all these examples of the Christ figure motif in film and here's a Buddhist film and here's a Muslim film, right? So we were looking for ways to do something, I guess, a bit more religious studies-esque in that context. And we're both disappointed that we weren't finding work that did that, that had those deeper and more important conversations. Uh, Tenzin, do you want to pick it up from there? Yeah, well, just the story that I relate in the forward is how I was kind of almost upset or offended that I got assigned religion and film because I'd never even taken a religion and film class in my area that I was studying for my dissertation was like continental philosophy. And uh, one of the graduate directors there, because I kind of said, like, I don't even, you know, think the religion is in film in any way. And they suggested that, that I make that the very like topic of the course, which seemed to me very, you know, McCutcheon-esque, and I like that. So instead of defining religion in any particular way, 
I just went about looking at all the different books that were out there on the topic and seeing how they define religion and um, thought I would find, you know, like most topics we teach in religious studies, if you kind of survey the general stuff, you can find, you know, examples of people who do a little bit of theology, examples of people who do a little mythology and examples of people who do ideological analysis closer to what we might deem critical, you know, religious study scholarship or uh, what they do at NASA. In religion and film, I didn't find that. I just found a lot of people doing theology. Most of the people, most of the books out there in print all kind of doing some sort of Christian theology. But then in the 1980s, starting more in the 1990s, there were more books that started to come out that looked at religion and film from a more mythological perspective. And that developed into various volumes in print. But then I found that it just kind of stopped there. Like, you know, there, there was no book in print that you could use in classes that did, say, pick up the perspective that you'll find, say, in the work of Tomoko Matsuzawa or McCutcheon or Fitzgerald, right? It was all, it just kind of stopped at the mythological view. There were a couple articles I found, like an article by McCutcheon in the, in the 90s, uh, which we quote at the intro, in the intro flap of this book, or... Um, a quote by Bruce Lin- uh, sorry, an article by Bruce Lincoln. So there was some random stuff that you could use to piece together a more critical perspective, but there was nothing like like a full-fledged that you could use. So in that intro course, you, you just had to kind of pick stuff and put it together randomly. Um, pick a film that might be interpreted theologically, give a theological reading, and then maybe um, try to find some random ideological analysis from anywhere in film studies and then use that within the course to problematize how, you know, the first paper was kind of blatantly assuming some essentialized notion of religion operating in the film or some essentialized motif like a Christ figure or something operating in the film and then problematize how they were doing that. Maybe I went a little bit into the theory side there, but that's kind of how we started off in this topic, both Rebecca and I is trying to piece together syllabuses that in a little subfield within religious studies that wasn't really fully developed. And we hope this volume kind of takes that to the next level and gives a textbook that everybody can use in every single religious studies and film class around the world. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's always been a struggle because, you know, we try to do this work of undermining the religion and the world religions paradigm but so often religion film classes become just replicating it right they you you teach a course you do a christian film a jewish film a muslim film a buddhist film right and uh that undermines the work that we do in the field so i think for us that was really kind of our starting point was wanting to think about what is critical religious studies how can we create a volume that is responding to an assumption that religion is not a, a thing, right? That it, like everything else, is a social construct. Yeah. So that just jumping ahead a little bit ahead of ourselves, maybe here, but that's part of the reason why in this book, for instance, we don't try to represent all the different religions. Like we don't have um, a chapter on, for instance, on Islam. It's because we we didn't set out necessarily to pick all the world's religions. We set about first with a group of scholars that we thought could answer the questions and do the analysis. And then we asked them what they wanted to do. And in some cases, they almost surprised us surprised us with their selections, but they were all turned out wonderfully and it all kind of fits together nicely. I thought that we didn't include one on 
some of the traditions because we were hoping that Boom Story would let us do a second volume. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. <laughs> Looking forward to that. I, I really enjoyed your answers. Yeah, sorry, Vicka, you were saying? I was saying with the brilliant series that uh, Craig Martin is the editor of the uh, Critiquing Religion discourse, culture, and power. And I know that he is looking for book submissions. So if you book are, if you have something that is in the works that you think might fit, contact Craig Martin. So this is a message for Craig. <laughs> I really can't, can't recommend the, the Bloomsbury um, people enough. They're great to work I mean, with. They're fantastic. I really enjoyed the answers that you you were just uh, providing us, not only as a film buff, also as someone also uh, trained in religious studies. Uh, I, I know you already kind of talked a bit about what we wanted to discuss further, but I just wanted to pick it up when you said earlier you wanted to provide a religious studies, critical religious studies perspective rather than what's already in the field. So would you tell us a bit about, so what is currently, what are the current approaches in religious studies in terms of film and religion? And how is this edited volume, how is your book different? What, are, what is a religious studies perspective? What is a religious studies approach to film and religion? Tenzin, do you want to take that one? I feel like you're the one who published the, the great article uh, on this topic. Beginning there, I mentioned you have the, the most predominant being the theological approach, which you know still even dominates in the field in terms of job markets. Uh, then the second most dominant being the mythological approach. Um, and then the third, least represented, and I think this is probably also least represented in the job market, is the ideological or critical scholar approach. You take those three, they were all kind of out there in some form. The dominant were the theological and the mythological. There were ideological chapters, like, for instance, if you pick up Martin and Oswald's Screening the Sacred, which also they point out this, this tri level of theological, mythological, ideological forms within the field. They also have a couple chapters on ideological analysis. But in the introduction, when they set it up, they also kind of denigrated and say, you know, it doesn't really take religion seriously. We want to take things of spirit spiritually, which assumes that there's some kind of essence of religion over and above film or over and above film reception that either, you know, a film critic can pick out and be like, ah, that's exactly what religion is. Or um, a person watching a film can experience it's like, oh, I'm experiencing the sacred as I watch this film. And so there was all three of these perspectives because in, like I say, in these books, they privilege the mythological, but there was the occasional chapter. There just was nothing full length. Um, and then the fourth kind of subtle element that's brought in by people like Plate is kind of a, a technical analysis. And this is often material of religion people. Okay, so then there is this fourth kind of technical approach that's found in the material of religion people kind of exemplified through scholars like Plate, where they they still have a mythological interpretation of religion that they're trying to find in film, but they do it by emphasizing all the technical aspects of cinema, much like you do in film studies. So this might you might call this as like almost like the film studies or cultural studies approach within some of the scholarship. So the four here then be theological, mythological, ideological analysis, and then this kind of technical analysis that you do in film studies. But what all the scholars in print before this book have done is they basically applied the film studies approach, technical analysis, through myth. So it's like, how is myth being embodied in all the technical aspects 
um, of film studies. And what we're doing here is we're applying all of these technical aspects through ideological analysis, which has never been done before in like a full length volume. So it's that's what makes it, I think, really an important contribution to the field. It's the first full length volume to take that ideological analysis, provide a sustained, not just one chapter on it, but sustain, you know, 12 chapters on it, and then tie it together with film studies so that you have like a full-bodied approach to religion and film that you could take in any religion and film class and use and um, kind of immediately have a critical approach, but at the same time in a way that's respectful of film studies. Yeah, that's great. It's a great summary, and uh, it really explains the uh, very well the contribution of this the, the the very special book. And earlier, I think Rebecca also mentioned some of the uh, discussions happening in religious studies that you are engaging with. For instance, the world religion paradigm and critical religious studies. So I think th- these are the ways this. Uh, this new book of yours that contributes to all these latest discussions in the field. And I was also wondering if you could give us some examples from the chapters that we have in this book, how each chapter or how some different chapters contribute to all these latest discussions in the field of religious studies or critical religious studies. Our first chapter uh, by Timutara looks at the film Religious, uh, which is a documentary, um, which is, I think, particularly fascinating because we often don't think of documentaries as something that one would study in studying religion film, probably because there is that emphasis on the myth, right? And so documentaries are about real people, presumably, right? Um, But part of what it does is it really unpacks and introduces us to the way that this category of religion has been this sort of critical category that people are using in all different ways, right? So um, in the documentary, Bill Maher goes out to try to like to prove religion wrong, right? And it's really gives us insight into the way that discourse of like skepticism is functioning in its contemporary culture. Well, I was thinking about this the other day in relation to how, and we kind of say this on page twenty. Um, but so if in the introduction, what I kind of aim to do is show how. You know, film studies can be used in conjunction with a critical approach to study of religion to kind of deconstruct the essentialization of religion that's been dominant in this subfield so far. What each chapter tries to do and what we set out to do in the beginning was for each author to pick a particular theme and then to do that same thing with that theme so that in the respective chapters, the themes touched on include from chapter one, as uh, Rebecca was just noting, atheism and scientism. And then in chapter two, capitalism um, with uh, Dennis LaRusso's uh, chapter, uh, spiritualism in Smith's chapter, colonialism in Nye's chapter, uh, orientalism, both in, in all both in all all chapter and yeah. in your chapter, um, Dow, which hopefully you can talk about here as well. And then um, magical realism in Bartel's chapter, indigeneity in Shidi's chapter, evil and horror in Sean McLeod's chapter, superheroes and apocalypticism, both in different ways um, in uh, Ricker's chapter. And then also in Singler's chapter with an added emphasis on artificial intelligence. And then uh, science fiction, finally in Newton's 
chapter so that each take up one of these themes and kind of do the same thing that we do in the introduction is that show how through their cinematic representations and a little bit of film studies, you can show how the attempt to use some sort of quote unquote religious theme falls to the wayside in a way or, you know, deconstructs itself through the very active cinematic presentation. Yeah. And I think it's also taking into account the way that like the, the larger social role that these films have, right. And how they are, they come from somewhere, right. They're not developed in a vacuum. Your chapter is actually my favorite for that because uh, you are you do have this and I'll let you speak about it if you're willing to share with the listeners. Um, but you do this really brilliant thing where not only are you interested in sort of the world of Cloud Atlas and how and how it has impacted sort of the author and its audience, but you also use it as an opportunity to point out some of the problems with the way that scholars, um, primarily Zizek, has looked at. Buddhism. And so you're problematizing the category of Buddhism as essential thing and looking at the way that we have misused it for so long and continue to misuse it in the academic field of religion. Yeah, thank you so much for saying that. Uh, I think, is, as you were saying in this volume, you tried to kind of deconstruct the essentialization of religion quite often in uh, study of religion and film, also in religious studies as well. That, that, I think that goes back to the world religion paradigm that we've been talking about in the field. Uh, I think for me, I loved Cloud Atlas in the film. I think part of the film was set in Edinburgh and I was in Edinburgh watching that film. So it felt really special to me. And also uh, the stories, I love sci-fi as well, how the, the, the story and also uh, the important role that uh, different parts you know, how, how the world connects in the film in the story but then i saw some of the reviews of the film how it is a buddhist notion uh, etc and i just realized that uh, that might be something some misunderstanding uh, not just in the discussion of the film but how but what kind of uh, inspired these discussions about this particular film. Uh, so as you said, I kind of tried to s- see how the author of the original uh, original novel, also the, f- the directors of the film, how and the actors, actresses, how they are socially situated, what's the social context of such a novel and such a film, and uh, what's the social context of the study of Buddhism in the academia of religious studies. Yeah, so that's the experience of that. And I also try to, I think, as you mentioned earlier, you try to do a critical religious studies volume. And I also try to apply some of the uh, theories in the religion that I really appreciate, uh, kind of the critique of Orientalism uh, and also effect theory as well. I think that's uh, help us to help us really understand this film from a religious studies perspective, from some of the later theories. And also... Uh, is something I always want to do to a kind of d- double decolonization in my approach to this film and to civil religion in general. And I think the, in the same way, I also appreciate lots of other chapters and the whole volume as well. I think this is a, a really br- brilliant book. Everyone should read it and recommend it to your libraries. <laughs> and Tenzin, you, were you like something you would like to add? Well, I was just going to say... Um... I was just actually reading before we started uh, 
Altman's chapter again. And I really like that chapter too for the way that it does some of the similar things you're doing in your chapter, uh, Gao. Uh, but your focus rather on that on Buddhism is on Darjeeling movie, Wes Anderson's movie, Darjeeling Limited. And these three Whitman brothers as they travel to India and Altman does a great job first of laying out in the intro kind of or the intro sections, the development of colonialism in cinema in the West, like representations of India, Orientalist representations of them, etc. And of the spiritual journey quest kind of found through hippie motifs in cinema and stuff and hippies traveling to to Indian stuff for enlightenment, which side story I once did myself. But anyway, and but it, instead of say just lampooning the film and saying, oh, the film is you know, guilty of um, doing this. He also points out how Wes Anderson kind of flips it and shows that it's the three characters in the film, the Whitman brothers, that turn out to be the butt of the joke because their representation or their essentialization of India turns out to be such a farcical lampooning. And they um, are the ones that are shown to be the fools in a way. So it's a really kind of uh, neat flip. And uh, so, and next question is the pedagogical significance of this book. How do we use it in classroom? And I know Rebecca, you're teaching a course on regional film. So how, how do we use this book in, in the classroom? How should students use it? I think very practically speaking, you know, it is a, like there's 12 chapters. So you could sort of use it by assigning a film a week and you know, perhaps with some supplemental material. Um, but I think that part of what we really tried to do was set it up so that you don't have to necessarily show the films that the, the texts are examining, right? Uh, these, it actually it might be more advanced way of teaching with this is to have the students take the theories and apply it to other films that are doing something similar, right? So it's um, it certainly is meant to be used in a religion and film classroom. And I can't wait to teach this book. Um, I'm really excited about it. Uh, and, uh, but you could also use it in other classes. Um, you know, there's, it'd be very easy to pull out one or two chapters if you were doing sort of a class on Orientalism, right? Your chapter and Michael Altman's chapter would be excellent for that um, if you're doing a class on apocalypticism, right? That you'd have uh, Beth Singler's chapter and uh, Aaron Ricker's chapter, which would both work really well um, in that context. So it's meant to be a book that provides multiple entry points into the type of work that we do in teaching religious studies, critical religious studies. Yeah, looking forward to hearing more of some of the feedbacks and students and uh, teachers of film and religion might have about this. And uh, also, I think this book will be very useful as a comparative lens as well, because because of the wide range of scholars and disciplines you have in this book, it can dialogue with different fields, different studies, as you mentioned. There, for instance, I think there was this book published a few years ago, it's called Ghostly Desires, Queer Sexuality and Vernacular, Buddhism in Country, Thai Cinema. That book uh, by uh, Anika Furman, that book is in South Asian Studies. But I think because of the wide range of topics covered in this book, this book could be a dialogue between religious studies, original film, and different area studies or different fields as well. 
and now I also like to think, um, also curious, what are you both working on at the moment? What should we expect next? I know that there probably would be a volume two, but what are you currently working on now? Um, well, I am, I have my, uh, a book that's forthcoming. It's coming out in February, 2023, the new heretics, uh, which is, uh, related to work I did when I was doing my doctoral dissertation at the university of Toronto, uh, field work I did with progressive Christians. Um, so that's the big thing I'm working on is sort of, it's at that stage of all of the final copy edits, uh, and yeah, so it's exciting. I'm excited about that. Uh, and then I'm looking forward to maybe not working on something for a, for a minute, right? Uh, Tenson, what about you? Well, I had an idea, actually. I've been kind of bouncing around exactly, thinking lately a lot about what I would want to do next and preparing for the, the New Books podcast, which is last weekend, and then for this one, this one, uh, rereading some of this stuff dawned on me that something that will... Like when we finish the end of this book and the conclusion, um, I say that uh, kind of one of the impetuses or theological things I really liked showing when I taught this class was, when I taught religion film, was how, how filmic reality um, creates much of the content of what we might deem, quote unquote, religion in popular culture. Like, you know, Sean McLeod notes in Heredity how you know, they use religion as this kind of like do ex machina to solve all the problems in the film and in doing so create this whole vision of paganism or Singler does the same thing with uh, the Terminator to show how it like influences popular culture. Picking up off that I used to use the matrix in uh, my classes to illustrate kind of that, a little bit of that point, but also to illustrate how in that film, like, and you take the first matrix, right? In the first matrix, you have uh, these very simple representations of like a savior figure, right? Saving the world. But then when you get to all the way to the, the third one, it's like as if the savior is itself a technical creation. And then when you watch the most recent one that a lot of people don't like, they also have this hyper critique of capitalism and critique of the very notion of reboots. And so this is a long way of saying that I'm starting to kind of ponder a way that I might work on something like religion and techniques and more broadly say apply that very idea of how religion gets mediated in culture by all these technical elements and kind of deconstructed in the process um but then apply it more broadly but maybe i might start off by using the matrix and anyway so i might just start that as like a article and then see where it goes but kind of like a religion and techniques and popular culture kind of a thing sounds great uh, i don't know if you've you saw this new film, Nope. I think that mm -hmm. film also touches upon some of the themes you mentioned. And yeah, you you host uh, you host a podcast on kind of on religion and film as well. I think that's something. That we were actually going to cover that in um, fascism in, in cinema podcast. Uh, Sounds great. And I've been so busy this summer that we have just kind of put that on hold. But maybe in the maybe in the fall. Yeah, looking forward to it. So thank you so much. Thank you both so much for uh, chatting with us at different time zones. And uh, I hope everyone, again, everyone will read a book. I'm looking forward to reading your next work as well. Okay. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. 
The RSP is sponsored by the British Association for the Study of Religions, the North American Association for the Study of Religion, and the International Association for the History of Religions. The Religious Studies Project is produced by the Religious Studies Project Association, SCIO, a Scottish charitable incorporated organisation, charity number SC047750. Brought to you by Editor-in-Chief Andy Alexander and founding editors Chris Cotter and David Robertson. Our features are edited by Israel Dominguez and Savannah Finver and our Opportunities Digest by Trevor Lynn. Audio editing by Alex Matthews and Nathan Springer. Podcast transcription by Ayesha Javid and Jacob Noblet. And social media managed by Candice Mixon. Don't forget, you can support the project by using our Amazon.com.co.uk and .ca links or donating at Patreon.com slash Project RS. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, Instagram, and other portals. Thanks for listening. Thank you.